he, he gives us not only the, the will to do, but also the power to do what he's called us to do. And, and we've been learning that there are some things of our old life we need to put off and some new things we need to put on, just like you put on, everybody put on clothes this morning, correct? You chose, did everybody choose what they put on this morning? Or did some of you guys, did your wife dress you this morning, tell you what to put on? <laughs> Honey, here's your outfit for today. But, but we choose what we put on, correct? And we're going to either choose to walk in the Spirit or we're going to choose to walk in the flesh. It's, it's really that simple. And so hopefully every day we're choosing to walk in the Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, I'm going to put on the new man today and walk in those things that you would have for me. And it's, I think it's good to pray that more than once during the day. Because by the time you hit traffic, it's like you've... You've traded in the new man. <laughs> and so we need to walk in these things that, that the Apostle Paul is teaching us. And just look at this first verse um, real quick. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And so therefore, right, that takes us back to everything that we've learned previously that's been communicated. Paul's been talking about a life change um, that is supposed to happen now that we've been saved by grace. Um, we need change, don't we? We all need change. Why? Because we've all messed up and we're, we're all messed up as well. And it's the Lord who produces that change as we also, as we take that step of faith to do what he asks us to do. And you may remember last week, the last thing that we learned is that we are to forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven us. And that's where the therefore takes us back to that. If we're to be imitators of God as dear children, then I would say if you just take one little step backwards, how are we to imitate God? In our forgiveness. How important is forgiveness? It's super crucial, isn't it? As we've been forgiven, how have we been forgiven? Our sins and our lawless deeds he's chosen to remember no more. Love holds no record of wrongs. We're to forgive one another the same way that we've been forgiven by the Lord. That is one way we can be an imitator of God. And, and, and you think about kid, as dear children, right? Be imitators of God as dear children. Our kids imitate us, don't they? Yep. Some of you are smiling and laughing. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to teach your kids to act like you. They learn, they learn watching you, and sometimes like, oh no, they got that from me. We need to, we need to like deprogram, <laughs> get reprogrammed in the word of God. And so um, Paul's going to tell us here three ways in this chapter, three ways specifically to imitate God. And, and I've kind of broken down the chapter this way. The first one is in verse two, walk in love. It's all about our walk. Walk in love. Verse 8, right at the end, walk as children of light. And then the third thing is in verse 15, it says, walk circumspectly or walk in wisdom. And so those three things, I think Paul really kind of breaks it down and helps us out this morning, like, if you like outlines. I'm not much, it kind of just fell out this way. And so to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. Real simple. And so, and by the way, we learned in Psalm 115 and 135, you become like that which you worship. You become like that which you worship. If you're a worshiper of idols, of created things, guess what you're going to become more and more like? 
more and more like those things that can't see, can't hear, can't rescue, can't deliver. But if you, the more and more you worship the Lord, guess what's going to happen? You become an imitator of him, you're going to be transformed and changed to become more and more like him. And so let's talk about walking in love first. It says in verse 2, and walk in love. Well, what does that look like? Look what it says. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, but, and here's not walking in love, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish uh, talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. Let's just stop there for just a minute and we'll start to we'll keep rolling through this section, but I just want to draw your attention to verse 2 where it says to walk in love and it's continually order your life or your behavior in love just like Jesus also has what? loved us. And how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially, right? It's that word agape here which we'll talk about more in just a moment. It's a love with no strings attached. It's a sacrificial love. And so the love of Jesus should be transforming. It should have a transforming effect on our lives. We love him because he first loved us. And then we start to walk in that love that he's poured into our hearts. It should start to have a transforming effect. We look at him. We begin to, to how he lived, how he served, how he loved. And we follow his example. We walk in that love. And as he gave himself for us, as he laid down his life, literally means to personally hand over his life. In other words, he, he, he gave his life instead of us, for us, for each one of us here this morning. He, by this we know love, that he gave his life for us. And so, um, and notice it says, an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. What Jesus did by giving his life, by his sacrifice, by his offering, it became a sweet-smelling aroma to the Father. You guys ever been in a house that smells really good? Thanksgiving dinner or someone, uh, someone's baking, and it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. Or like at my house across 290, barbecue, Carl's barbecue, we kind of get this, the wind coming this, it comes a lot. It smells like Texas. And it's like, you know, God loves barbecue too, by the way. We go to this, I mean, this is, Paul's using an Old Testament imagery here. Right, you guys remember as the offerings in the Old Testament, the offerings and sacrifices were made to God. It says the smoke rose up and it was a sweet smelling aroma. In other words, God was blessed. And so as you and I are walking in love, and it is a sacrifice sometimes, isn't it? As we are walking in love, you know who's blessed? Our Father. He it it arises up to him and he's like, Oh, I'm so blessed. They're imitating me. It, it, don't you feel that way when your kids are walking in truth? When they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? It's like, doesn't it bless you as a parent? 
That's what John wrote in 3 John. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. And as we walk in love, our Heavenly Father is so blessed as we lovingly lay down our lives for one another. It is a sweet fragrance to God. And again, that word walk means what? It means how you live your life. It's step by step. It's one step at a time as you're walking with Jesus. You're going a certain direction, and that direction is a direction of love. It's a direction of love. And I, and I would say this morning, the world has a distorted view of love. And it's interesting, when I was with my girls this past week in California, I asked all of their friends, give me a definition of love. I'm teaching Ephesians 5 this Sunday, and uh, could you, you know, I just want to connect with them, hear where they're at, and kind of hopefully minister to them, kind of build a bridge. And you know what? Their definitions, every single person was like right on point. It was so awesome. But see, we can have good definitions and not walk in love. Are you with me? It's a walk in love. We are to emulate his love. His love is not theoretical. It's not just words. It's not just something upstairs. It is real. It is tangible. It is definitive. One look at the cross, we know of how the Lord gave himself for us to save us, to rescue us, to make us his very own, to forgive us. All that he did for us, it was totally sacrificial for you and for me. And it was because he was doing the Father's will. And when we do the Father's will, it blesses him when we love one another and serve one another and lay down our lives for one another. Not merely to, not just, not just to talk about love, but to do it, to walk in it. And so the question is this morning, how is love being demonstrated in my life for those around me? Am I walking in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us? Is this love being talked about? Can you imagine how powerful our testimony would be to the people around us if we did this? How powerful the witness of the church would be if we walked in this love? If we followed Paul's instruction, God's instructions to us this morning? Loving like him, loving like the Lord. I mean, it would be powerful, wouldn't it? And so that's the encouragement. But, and here's what stinks. You ever been somewhere that really stinks? You walk in and just like, P.U. That, that's the contrast here. But, right, conjunction, junction, what's your function? But fornication, what's fornication? That's sexual immorality. That's, that is sex outside of the marriage bed as prescribed or defined by God in his word between a genetic male husband and a genetic female wife. Are you with me? <laughs> Got to make sure we're on the... I have, we have to define those things now today because everything's getting redefined. Love is getting redefined. Marriage is getting redefined. So sexual immorality is any sexual relations outside of that, any sexual expression outside of that. Sexual intimacy is to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage. And I just want to encourage those singles out there, if you are, I don't know what the words are these days, you're courting, you're dating, and someone's pressuring you to have sex, you know what? That is not love. That is self 
should be named. It's not fitting for saints. What's the second thing he says here? All uncleanness. We talked about this word last night. It's, it's acatharsis or, or acatharsaria, something like that. And it speaks of not clean or not purifying or not healthy. And so all types of, of things that are dirty or filthy, um, impure, if you will. And these are, these are alternatives to true love, by the way. All three of these things that we're reading about, is lo- it's looking for love in all the wrong places. All three of these things that Paul mentions here, looking for fulfillment, looking for satisfaction, trying to please yourself and to live for yourself. And it's not, it, listen, that is, the, uh, that is the, um, the way to be empty and unsatisfied. <laughs> because true satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. Get, look at the next thing he mentions there covetousness. That's wanting more and more stuff, desiring more things, lusting for more, a greater number of temporal things. And here's the thing, here's another redefined word, covetousness. We don't call it covetousness, we call it shopping. (laughs) Right? I mean, we laugh about it, but... Or it's desiring something someone else has that God is not given to us. And it happens all the time. It happens in the church. Coveting someone else's ministry, their position, their, or whatever. And again, it's, it's, it's not being satisfied with your portion that the Lord has blessed you with. And Paul said, I learned to be content, right? Whether I'm abased or whether I'm abounding. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm connected to Jesus, and I'm good to go. It doesn't matter where, where I'm at. I find my satisfaction in him. That's where sat, true satisfaction is found. And so Paul says here, these things shouldn't have no place in our lives as Christians. In fact, he says, these things are not fitting. They're not proper. They're not suitable. It's inappropriate for believers. If you've ever been in clothing that doesn't fit, it's not fun, is it? It's not, this doesn't fit us. It's not, it's interesting, it's not fitting for, what does your Bible say? Fitting for who? For saints. For those that are set apart for God's specific use. Correct? These things are not for, God has a sacred calling, a holy calling on your life, on my life. Set apart for him, and these things have no part of that calling. We have been saved from this stuff. We've been rescued by Jesus from these very things, right? And then he goes on. Look what he says. What else doesn't fit? Obscenities, that's filthiness. Um, foolish talking. I had to look up this. It means literally moronic talking or stupid. It's okay to say that word in church. It's, that's what it is. It's stupid, unhelpful, unedifying talk. And then third thing mentioned is coarse jesting. That's dirty jokes, like double entendres, right? Twisting of words, gross vile speech. It's not suitable. It doesn't fit, but rather instead giving what? What does your Bible say? Verse four. Instead, we are to be doing what? Giving thanks. You know, this whole section is about love, right? Walk in love. Why do people do these things? Well, the verse before, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. But what about this speech that it says here? Those people, when we, when we use that speech, we're looking for love too. Do you know that? 
We're looking for people to say, oh, aren't you funny? Oh, I want people to love me. I'll tell these jokes. I'll say this. I'll talk this way. And that's the deal. People will love me if I talk that way. Listen, if you want to talk, give thanks. It's so simple. How about, how about people hearing how thankful you are for them? You know how far that goes? That is such a witness, such a testimony. If you really want to make a difference in people's lives, let them know you appreciate them. You're thankful for them. That you're grateful. And if you're tempted, you know, you're tempted to tell a joke or, or, or give your opinion that rips on someone else, you know what? The, what's fitting is giving thanks. What fits, what's appropriate is to say, you know what? I just thank the Lord for you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. This has been such a blessed day. This has been such a great day you've given me. For this you know. Look what it says, verse 5, and, five through 7. Finish out this little section together. For this you know. This is something we need to know. Or Paul assumed they knew already. This you know. You're well aware of this. That no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, in light of that, what? Do not be partakers with them. So Paul says you're fully aware. Fornicators, unclean people, covetous people, they're what? They have no inheritance in God's kingdom, in Christ's kingdom. And so a fornicator is someone that's engaged in sexual immorality. Again, unclean is impure, unclean because of tainted by sin. Covetous, again, the greedy person. And notice that covetous man is identified as an idolater. It's idolatry because, because you exalt things over the Lord. You exalt blessings over the blesser is the idea. Um, heaven, Paul says, you know this, heaven is not in their future. That's heavy, isn't it? And this should concern us. We should take this seriously. You are not saved by what you do, correct? We're saved by grace through faith. Um, we are to be heading a certain direction, a different direction than our previous one, Correct? When Jesus said to follow him, we left our old lifestyle, the things we were engaged in and practiced, right? Remember when the, the woman got caught in adultery? You guys remember that? Remember that story? Jesus said to that woman, said, does no one condemn you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Stop heading in that direction you were once heading in and follow me. Walk with me. And that doesn't mean we don't struggle with, with sin, correct? We all struggle, don't we? We all blow it. But our lifestyle is not one of continual, habitual, unrepentant sin. In fact, Jesus is going to say, I think it's one of the most spooky passages in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 7, many will, come to, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? We, we took your name. We said we were Christians.
And what does Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, or you who practice lawlessness. Have you, have you ever thought about that? We, Jesus says, I never knew you. We never had a relationship, and you demonstrated we had no relationship by the way you lived your life. You worker of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. Oh, you said the right things. You went to church. You said you were a Christian, but the way you lived your life was totally contrary to what my word says. And so this is a heavy, this is a heavy deal. When, when, when people are living in that lifestyle, it's an indication that they don't really belong to the Lord. And this behavior is trying to find love, some kind of love, looking for love in illicit ways is the idea. And, the, and here's the remedy this morning. The remedy is understanding God loves you. He accepts you. And he's the one who will satisfy you. He's the one that will fill you in your emptiness and meet you in your loneliness. Not these things that are mentioned here. Trying to satisfy the flesh, fulfill the flesh, is like walking on, running on a treadmill over and over and over. And so the Lord's calling us to follow him, to walk with him. And Paul says this. Why does Paul say this? Because in verse 6, there's going to be some out there that are going to deceive you or try to deceive you. Are you with me? This is like crucial. People will be teaching, like Jude says, right? Jude says, listen, I wanted to talk to you about our common salvation. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't it great to talk about our salvation? We're heading to heaven. We're forgiven. Glorious. But he says, I had to pivot. I had to change directions to exhort you, church, to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Why? Because certain men have crept in unnoticed that are marked out for judgment. And what do they do? They take God's grace and turn it into lewdness. And they deny the lordship of Jesus Christ. They deny that the Lord is the supreme authority in our lives. They turn grace into lewdness. You're saved by grace, but now you can live any way you want. Oh, you're the elect. Go out and live any way you want. Live in fornication. Live in uncleanness. Live in covenant. Just keep going the way you're going. You're okay. You're one of the elect. You're chosen. God's grace got you covered. No, no, no. God's grace teaches us something. Titus 2 tells us, right? Denying ungodliness and unrighteousness and living holy lives set apart for the Lord. And trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to change us and to mold us and to shape us. Are you, are you, this is so crucial, you guys. Because there's people that want to deceive you out there. To trick you. With, notice what it says. Empty words, vain words, worthless that, that lead to no profit. And, they, and because of these things, these things invite God's wrath. His holy anger. Walking in those things. And Jesus absorbed that wrath and punishment that we deserved. so that we wouldn't have to experience his holy anger and judgment. Jesus took it upon himself. And Paul says, though, if you choose to live this kind of life, you're abiding under God's wrath. You're a son of disobedience. That's what we once were. Ephesians 2 told us we were once, once sons of disobedience. Not any longer. We've been rescued. We've been saved. We were dead. We've been made alive. Don't be deceived, Paul says. There are people who believe they're Christians and they're not. They're fooling themselves. 
fooling themselves into thinking they can live any way they want and still go to heaven. And you know what? That's just not true. It's not true. Being saved changes how we live. How we live our lives is a reflection of our gen- the genuineness of our relationship with him. That we really walk with him. And John talked about that too. John wrote in his first epistle that if the pattern of your life is darkness rather than light, you don't know God. You don't know him. If you know God, things are going to change in your life. It is, listen, I would put it this way. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to come and take residence in your life and there be no change at all. If there's never been a change, then guess what? There's never been a change. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And he even says, don't even partake in that stuff. Don't even be engaged. Don't... It literally means stop immediately partaking of these sins. I wonder why Paul had to say that. There was probably some in the church. In Ephesus. And think about Ephesus with me. What was the, what was the big uh, goddess they worshipped? What was her name? Starts with a D, rhymes with Diana. Diana or Artemis, Right? And it was all about sexual immorality. That whole, the whole worship of Diana was all about sexual immorality, right? The whole city, it was all about covetousness in that city. And it's possible that they were start, there were some of the church starting to drift back into that former lifestyle, getting involved with those things that they had been delivered from previously. And so Paul says, listen, um, you need to stop. You need to stop. Stop partaking. Stop being a joint participant in those things. And, and maybe you're here this morning saying, I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with covetousness. I'm struggling with this, with, with my tongue, with, with some of the things that are coming out of me. Listen, you are one step from getting back on track. Jesus paid for those sins in full. He absorbed the wrath we deserve for those sins. Can I just encourage you this morning to confess? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us, because that's what's needed, to purify us from all unrighteousness. As you start to be sensitive again and confess, to agree, confess means to agree, homo legeo, I agree, Lord, that was wrong. God, forgive me. I'm struggling with this, with this area of my life. You know what happens? He starts to purify your heart, man. He promises to. to, And that word means to to remove the poison. Acatharsaria, whatever, catharsis. That's catharsis, removing the poison. Anybody ever had a catheter put in them? I don't mean to gross you out. In the hospital, it removes the junk, the poison. When we confess, it removes the poison, man. Listen to what it says in, if you're taking notes, Proverbs, I think it's 28. I'm going to read it real quick. Proverbs 28. I think it's Proverbs 28. It's in one of the Proverbs. Let's just go through all of it. <laughs> Check it out. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And so we confess, we repent, 
Change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. Stop settling for imitation love. Or fake ways to be fulfilled. And it's a decision we need to make every single day is to walk in love and be willing to sacrifice. It says a sacrifice and an offering. Be willing to sacrifice, right? Because we take up our cross, right? Jesus said, Luke 9.23, deny ourselves. Take up our cross, death to the self. What's left? The best part is following Jesus. That's where satisfaction is found. Fulfillment is found. Not satisfying our flesh, living for our flesh, but living for him. It's so worth it because his kingdom is one of righteousness, joy, and love, and peace, and love in the Holy Spirit, gang. Let's keep rolling. Let's walk in light. That's what it says. Verse 8. We'll get through one more section. For you were once darkness. That's heavy. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Look what he says in verse 8. We'll finish the rest of this verse in, or verses in just a minute. He says at one time you were darkness. Isn't it interesting? You made darkness dark. It doesn't say merely darkness was in you. You were darkness. There was no light within you at all. I find that important because some people say each one of us has a little divine spark. Right? And it just needs to get lit up a little bit. Just our darkness. Before you come to know Jesus, man, you made darkness dark. I made darkness dark. No light at all. That's how bad it was. How bad was it? Jesus told us. You know, people say, oh, I'm an atheist, I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. I mean, people say all kinds of stuff. I'm an atheist, I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not. You just love darkness, dude. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Why are you not coming to the light? Lest his deeds should be exposed. You just don't want to be revealed for who and what you are. And who and what you are exactly what I am, a sinner in need of a savior. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. And so Paul says, again, this is what you once were. You were once darkness. But now that's all changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has brought light. And not only that, you are light in the Lord. You've been lit up. There is a light source within us who is God himself. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And Jesus said to his disciples, committed followers, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Man, now we're to walk, right? Conduct our life, go in his direction as a child of light. And dark and light are used as metaphors in the Bible, aren't they? Are dark and light used as metaphors in the Bible, you guys? Correct? With light, you can what? You can see Things are clear. You can walk without running into stuff and tri- getting tripped up and falling. You guys ever walk in the dark, no light on? Never happened to you guys? Never happened to anybody here? Yeah. How, did it work out good for you? 
like power's out or whatever, or you forget to put your nightlight on, and you're walking through and, oh, who put that there? <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Anger, dealing with anger still. But when you're in the dark, what? You can't see. Things are not clear. You run into stuff. You trip. You fall. And so he says here, that's what you once were, darkness. But now you're light in, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What's, a demonstra- what's the demonstration of light? Look what it says right here. The evidence or the outworking of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit in all goodness. Goodness speaks of character. Doing things that are morally right. Second is righteousness, doing what is right on in God's sight. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Thank you. Third is what? In truth. The demonstration of light in our life is walking in truth, guys. No phoniness. You're the real deal. Not only that, there's truth in you, the word of God in you, walking in truth. And so you have light in you, the Holy Spirit. You abide in him. Fruit is supernaturally growing and flowing. And light is shining forth from you. And what does it do? It brings clarity to everything around you. And so notice what it says in verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That word finding out means to search, to test, to see, to discover what is pleasing to Jesus. I think that's, that's like crucial this morning. Has anybody arrived spiritually? No. Anybody arrived spiritually? You're, there, you're like, yep, I, I'm there. I've discovered everything that is pleasing to Jesus. It's, that's what he says here. It, it, we, listen, we are on a lifelong journey to discover those things that please Jesus. Finding out what is acceptable, what is pleasing to the Lord. It, listen, this morning, is that the journey you're on? Is that the trip you're on, man? <laughs> is finding out what's acceptable, what's pleasing to Jesus? Man, why do we got to study the Bible every week in this church, man? Verse by verse, book by Leviticus. <laughs> we want to find out what God likes, what pleases him, so that our lives would be pleasing to him. And Paul's saying that, find out. Make that, make that the priority of your life, to discover what is pleasing to Jesus. And he goes on, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And again, I think it's possible the Ephesians were turning back to darkness. Why would Paul have to say this? Don't have any fellowship. That word fellowship, koinonia, means intimate connection and communion with. To unite your life together with the works of darkness. And good fruit is not found in what we were previously engaged in. Those unfruitful works of darkness. But here's the deal. Um, we have a responsibility to interact with those in darkness. We are not to be closely connected in intimate fellowship with those practicing in, working in darkness. But Jesus did, didn't he? 
Did Jesus have close contact? Contact with them, but not, not contamination. We're not to hide our light under a bushel, right? Oh, if that's the case, Pastor, no fellowship of darkness. Should we go get on a compound out in Waco, Waco, <laughs> whatever? No, because then how are you going to let your light shine before men? How are they going to hear about Jesus? How can they be saved unless they hear the good news? And how beautiful are the feet of those who deliver the good news? I mean, we want to have beautiful feet. Find out what's pleasing the Lord. That pleases him. Sharing the gospel with people. So how does this work? Do we get up on our high horses and condemn those people who are living unrighteous lives? Go on social media. Look how dark the world is. Bunch of losers. Is that what we're supposed to do? I'm glad I'm not like those people in the dark. Getting tripped up, heading for wipeout. What, remember what this section began with? The whole chapter began with love, didn't it? Our, listen, our natural tendency is self-righteous judgmentalism. Those people are, are blind. Those people you think are disgusting out there, we think sometimes, we look at them as that way, they're blind and dead in their trespasses and sins in bondage. <laughs> Correct? They're doing what comes natural to them. They're slaves to sin. That's where we once were. Amen. And sometimes we walk with the Lord for a while and forget where we came from. It's shameful, he says, even to talk about those things. The behavior, the stuff that goes on in the dark in secret where no one else sees. So our talk is not to glorify evil. So how does this all work out? Well, he says, look at the next verse, verse 13. How does light affect darkness? Everything is exposed or, and revealed by light. That which reveals is light. Light, so let's, let's talk about this. Light exposes darkness, correct? If you're going to remove darkness from a room, should you go in there and start punching the darkness? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this darkness somehow. Is that like the move right there? How do you get rid of the darkness? Real simple, isn't it? Flip on the light. Not hard. Flip on the light. And some people, this is a little side note, some people are consumed with darkness and sin. That's what they focus on. My ministry is to focus on sin study it, expose it, and that people actually make that their ministry. I get emails. We had a guy in our church that they thought that was their ministry. Let me tell you what they're doing, Pastor. Don't tell me. I don't even want, it just says don't even talk about it. Don't send me emails. Tell me about your search in darkness. I don't want to hear about it. The way you live your life should shine in such a way that darkness is exposed for what it is as worthless and unfruitful and empty. And as we walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, in fellowship with the Lord, in connection with Him, our lives begin to shine. We're free from chains out of darkness, and our lives begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ, gracious and kind and loving and full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And we live in a way where people can see a difference. Listen, a religious life is repulsive to people. How do you know that? Take a look at the Pharisees. Correct? How did they, how did they treat people? They looked down their spiritual noses, no joy, pointing the finger at everybody. That repels people. 
You want to get rid of darkness? Turn on the light. The Holy Spirit is already working behind the scenes in people's lives, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. What we need to pray is, Lord, help me not to get in your way. Lord, give me the words to say to this person. I know it's not an accident you brought this person into my life. Are you with me? I've been surfing this certain place in Southern California for years, and I see the same guy every time I'm there, and I've been praying for him and trying to reach him, and he finally opened the door to let me share the gospel with him. Like, praise the Lord. His name is Gilbert. You remember this dude? Pray for him. Because God finally opened the door for me to share the gospel with him. And it's been years. Because I didn't want to pound down the door and just, you know, huff and puff and blow my way in. And you guys know, you get saved, and then now you're in the workplace. And what do people start to do when they're around you? Do they start to modify their, their speech? Oh, sorry. Right? That's the way this guy was. And then I didn't say, oh, dude, you're a filthy mouth. i got to stay away from you. You know, Heisman, the guy. <laughs> but he would catch himself, you know. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes. They start to modify their behavior. And then some people start to point the finger and mock you and whatever. But then tragedy hits their life. And you know who they go to? They go to you. Because you walk the walk. Because truth is in you and you're walking in truth. It's not just up here. You're not just you know, looking down your spiritual nose at those people. You're caring for them. You're being Jesus to them. You're being a pastor to those that don't have a pastor, dudes. Mm. Or a missionary to those that don't have a missionary around them, gals. And so what, you know, if we're angry, bitter, hateful finger pointers, is that going to draw people to the light, you think? Nope. How's that working out? Or the beauty of Jesus shining through us as we share the truth and love with others. Listen, I'm learning if people don't know you care, do you think they'll listen? Nope. It's been said, people don't care what you know until they know you care. It's, I, I found that so true. You start caring, you start loving people ministering, and then, you know what? The Lord will open that door. He loves that person more than you could care ever about them. And he opens doors, right? Kind of like you walk into H-E-B. You're like, oh, there's the open door. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like an interrogation lamp on somebody, you got like the dimmer, rather. Just slowly get the light going. And then look at how it ends here as we finish up. Two-minute drill. Here we go. Can we do it? 14, verse 14. Therefore, in light of that, he says, God says something to us this morning. What's, the church, what's God saying to the church? Wake up. Listen, you who sleep in church, I know who you are. <laughs> Not me. God does. Just, he knows. He sees. I say, hey, you know what? Sleep on, sleeper. I would rather have you sleep here than anywhere else. Just don't try to, don't, try, don't be a phony though in church. You know what I'm talking about? Because I know who you are. Amen, amen. And it's an amen at the wrong time. Okay, so don't try to head fake me. Or head fake God, he's the one who sees. Awake you who sleep, arise. This is heavy, arise from the dead. And Christ will give you Light. In light of all that's been communicated, what does God say? Wake up. 
You're spiritually asleep, church. You are, what else? You're, you're dead. You're ineffective. You're powerless. You need to get, wake up and get up. There's a spiritual dullness and lethargy. God has done this radical work in your life. He's transforming work. But what? You are heading back towards darkness, cohabitating with ungodliness again. You've opened up your heart. You've allowed stuff back into your heart and into your life. You're accommodating stuff now that, that, that God says, I don't want you to be engaged with that stuff. And, and maybe, listen, that's a word for you this morning. You're in unrepentant sin and the Lord's speaking to your heart. He's touching that area of your life. This is the place to do business right here, right now. Don't put it off. Do something about it right now. Let him heal you. Let him satisfy you. But you need to let him remove that poison from your heart. Maybe, maybe you're under your bushel napping. I'm content under my bushel. Right? Jesus said, don't hide your light under the bushel, didn't he? Say something like that. Don't bother me, I'm napping. No, it's time to wake up. Paul talks about this also in Romans. It's high time you wake up. Your salvation is nearer now than before. Well, I'm just not shining brightly. What do I do? You guys know that. It's really simple. Anybody have glow-in-the-dark toys with their kids? You guys know what glow-in-the-dark toys are? If you don't, Sammy will let you know. He can he will share some with you. He's still got some, I think. Glow- <laughs> Glow-in-the-dark toys. I brought one back from, I think it was Honduras for my son, Luke. Giant lizard, glow-in-the-dark lizard. And you know what? Sometimes they lose their glow, don't they? You don't, what do you do to... You guys know, you take that glow-in-the-dark toy or whatever it is, and you put it up next to the, the light. It needs to spend time with the... It's not a trick question. Spend time with the light. Guess who you need to start spending time with? Amen. The light of the world. Mm. You want to get that shine? It's it's grace, guys. It's always coming back to Jesus. Mm. Always coming right back to Him. Being connected to Him, and let the isn't that what isn't that what how it ended? And He will give you light. Right? Is that what it says? Amen. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. You made it so simple. And, oh, God, we complicate things so much. Help us to walk in love, to walk in light. And next week...